Uh, this is supplement um, number four. I think this is the fourth one. If I'm wrong, this is going to look dumb, but whatever. <laughs> um, okay. Nothing that has ever happened to you from the smallest thing to the biggest thing is your fault. Uh, if you deal with addictive tendencies, that's not your fault. Uh, none of it's your fault. However, it is absolutely your responsibility. Okay? It is your responsibility to take the steps to get this figured out. It is your responsibility to flip over every stone, every rock, and find a way to work with it. It is your responsibility to go from therapist to therapist to find the one that works, from treatment to treatment, EMDR, RRT, hypnotherapy, NLP, whatever it is. It is your responsibility to exhaust every effort to fix it. If you are using your traumatic experience as an excuse for your poor behavior, and you are not doing anything about it, what does that sound like to you? If you are in a relationship with somebody, friendship or otherwise, where they are using their traumatic experience as an excuse for their poor behavior, without ever you know, seeking, maybe they're using excuses, well, I just work too much. And it's like, okay, fine, figure out what's important to you and start making some decisions. Um, some people use money as an excuse. Well, you know what? I do rapid resolution therapy. I facilitate that for people and I'll do it for free. People come to my home all the time and I do it for free. I go to their homes. I do it for free. There's people out there that are just trying to help. So if you don't start flipping over stones and finding out, like it's hard work and how you do this is how you do other things. And we use that, uh, that little saying a lot, Troy and I were doing adventure stuff with uh, clients, right? Like how you do this might be, how you... and then he always follows it up with, this isn't a judgment. I'm not gonna pat it like that. I'm just gonna tell you to look at it. If you quit a lot of things, or you quit this thing, or you get lazy with this thing, you might get lazy and quit other things too. Now, if that's a quality that you're okay with, by all means. But if it's not a quality you're okay with, it's going to require some grit, fortitude, and persistent conscious effort to, to start to change that. So, um, that's the interesting thing about trauma. Whether it's traumatic or not, we don't get to decide what's traumatic and what's not traumatic. Um, we uh, don't get to pick our experiences. We don't get to pick what's going to affect us. So... A way to look at this that might be helpful is that like, I know that I'm not my body. Now, uh, some of you will hear this as what is now commonly referred to as a, uh, a privileged cisgendered white male, um, you know, and I'm 45. So I'm like, hopefully I'm not middle-aged. That means I'm going to die in like 40 years. Um, some of you hear it coming out of that mouth and you know what? That's your karma and that's fine. But uh, I myself have a, um, an eight-year period of bad things that happened, right? Um, 
those are my experiences. I experienced those events, right? Um, on paper, they uh, were very traumatic and they did affect me for a very long time in a way that I didn't know that that's what the problem was, right? But later on, due to some, some, uh, some effort, some work, I started to figure out that, that well, what was wrong with me? Oh, well, this is what's wrong with me. And then I started to take further steps to repair that, right? Or what I found later was to allow the subconscious mind to repair itself. Um, somebody asked me at work, what is PTSD? I said, stuck data. Um, it is data experience that gets stuck in the system, so to speak. And that is a term that John Connolly, uh, who invented rapid resolution therapy, it's something I learned while um, doing my certification with him in that, uh, that trauma treatment. Um, so it's stuck data, which I think is a fantastic way to look at it. It's stuck in the system, and every time something reminds the subconscious, remember, outside your conscious awareness, reminds your subconscious of that experience, it triggers the nervous system to respond to protect you because the mind believes it's happening right now, right? If I've said anything to you too many times, it's probably that what the mind perceives the body will feel. And if and these experiences get stuck in the subconscious and it's like they're running on a loop in the right side of the brain. And so the subconscious and the body are responding to them 24 seven, 365 days a year. And, but your conscious mind is like, I'm not being, I don't fill in the blank, you know, whatever, all day, every day. But the system believes that it's happening and that's why you feel the way you do. That's why you experience all this anxiety, all this whatever. So it's a matter of moving this data from right side to the left side where it's processed, right? Um, and that's what I facilitate through rapid resolution therapy. It's I help people move their data. A lot of you that listen to this have done that work with me. Um, and uh, you also know that I'm not Mother Teresa, right? <laughs> um, uh, but there's people out there like me that like I do this stuff. I do it a lot of times for free. If people can't afford it, if that's, then I'll do it. I'm interested in helping you. Um, you know? you vote and you drive and I would love you to be okay. <laughs> right. If we're going to share roadways and a, and a massive land, holy crap, I would really appreciate it. If you were like cranking on all cylinders, you know, we need, we need you. We need you of sound mind and body. Um, so the stuff that happened, uh, that I, we'll just say the stuff that I experienced as a kid, um, was not my fault, right? Of course it wasn't my fault, but for better or worse, whether you like it or not, and this sounds heavy to a lot of people, it is ultimately our responsibility to fix it. And what I find is that when the conscious mind gets out of the way, which is what I do through, through my particular method, that I love through rapid resolution therapy, you're essentially moving the conscious mind out of the way so the subconscious can repair itself. 
until then, it's like the subconscious is trying to patch this water pipe that no, the water's still on. You know what I mean? It was very difficult to do. Um, so back to this thing where we use this as this excuse. And I think we use it as an excuse because we become identified with the mind. Even people that are into the things that you're probably into, because you're listening to this wackadoo podcast, so, you know, and, and you read these wacky books that Keith writes, well, clearly you have some sort of an inclination that this is not exactly the way they said it was, right? That, um, that uh, uh, you are not your body, you are not your mind, but then when it comes to this, that's what makes doing trauma work so difficult with a therapist at times is because it's like if you have a therapist, you've been looking for a therapist, you can't get comfortable with one enough to say this thing. Why? Because it feels, it feels like you. So from kindergarten to seventh grade, I was experiencing certain things. Now, would you say that it happened to me? To me. Me with a capital M. No, it didn't. It happened to the body, uh, and it affected the mind. Um, but I am not the body, and I'm not the mind. And that's not simply a cop-out or a disassociation. I guess it's a disassociation, but whatever. There isn't a cell on my body that was there when this happened. And what I am at my core, they can't touch. They can't get to it. They can't get to the soul. They can't get to awareness. They can't get to that. They could get to something very superficial. Right? And it's like, start to see the mind and the body as machinery in a way. It's necessary machinery, but it's, it's machinery, right? It's, it's a mechanism, like the ego is a mechanism for navigating three-dimensional reality. All of this stuff really is just a way to navigate three-dimensional reality. Um, if I went to the doctor, I don't need my doctor to understand. Like, you go to orthopedic surgeon, for instance. It's like, you just need them to understand how the machine works. You don't need them to deeply get who you are. You know, and it's like, well, it's not as vulnerable as doing, as talking about my trauma. Really? Because you're asking them to open up your meat suit and move shit around. That feels vulnerable. <laughs> like, what's the difference in working with the mind, repairing the mind, and repairing the body? Think about it. What's the difference? And, you know, it's like when someone asks me, doesn't, hearing all of these stories because the stories that we hear in that line of work are just there's some that like I have trouble repeating to people that I know can hear it you know that like it's not good humans do some wild things um, but I'll tell you that uh, there is it goes back to the Buddhist idea of the two truths doctrine and again, you read this stuff. Like, you'd read about the two truths doctrine and go, I like the way this sounds. Okay, good. Now it's time to put your money where your mouth is and start to live it, start to understand it, start to work with it. 
So the two truths doctrine would be that there's an absolute truth and a relative truth. And the way I put that together in my head is with that idea of the ocean. The ocean is the ocean, that's the absolute, and the wave represents relativity. The wave is only relatively a wave. And it only exists in that relativity for a short period of time, and then it goes back to being the ocean. But the wave is never not the ocean. It's always the ocean. It's just doing things, taking form, acting in a way that we call a wave. Soul acting in a way that we call um, that we call a human that we call a kid, that we call an adult. On one hand, it's the absolute. It is God to soul, to it's Paramatman, to Atman, to human, right? So on one hand, you are the absolute. And I sit with you and I see you as a soul. And I'm a soul. And in this one, I'm going to do this. And in this one, you're going to do that. But then on the other hand, there's the relative pain that maybe you are or aren't aware uh, that you believe that you are that pain. So on one hand, I have to know that this is very real for you. This This experience happened and it's affecting you very deeply. And sometimes the experience is regardless of what we know about souls and spiritual practice. Sometimes it still just fucking hurts. Right? This is why these things are called thought exercises. We have to start working with them. And that's how that's what I work with in order to, you know, keep doing this. And there's a term called compassion fatigue. I feel like a lot of people use this um, in an interesting way. It's like, I'm so compassionate, I'm tired. No, your nervous system's worn out from hearing shit all day. Right? That mirroring neurons shit, it's real. <laughs> you know? Um, but my body, my nervous system experienced this. My soul doesn't get tired. My soul doesn't care. But back to my own stuff is that like, they didn't touch me. They didn't touch the self with a capital S. They affected the ego. They affected the mind. They affected the body at that time, you know? But really, even though my body responds now, so there's still stuff in there that, like, I, I don't notice my body tightening, but what I'll notice is my thoughts become squirrely. Like, I don't get anxious, but my thoughts will go into a way where it's like, I can see them and I see them as being a bit um, aggressive because uh, there's fight, flight, freeze. I don't freeze and flight isn't a thing. I get combative, confrontational, aggressive, which is why I'm an Enneagram 8. <laughs> For some of you, you know what that means. I'm an 8. Um, I've tried taking the test so many times. I even tried lying on it to get a different answer. And Enneagram's always like, nah, dude, you're an 8. That's all there is to it. Anyway, I just wanted to... Um, talk about that a little bit Um, if any of you have questions about this stuff give me a shout Um, if you want to talk on the phone about it we can talk on the phone about it Um, you know the deal a lot of you find that if you DM me your phone number you'll get a text and a phone call 
Um, and a lot of times feel like, I didn't think you'd call. It's like, yeah, I told you I would. Um, anyway, I am going to take a much needed walk on the beach. I've been going pretty hard lately. A little too physically active. I need to slow down. But I am going to go walk four miles and just watch the sun come up. All right. Adios. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.